And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore down the mountain, tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mountain of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death by the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from, from Abel Maholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death all who escape the sword of Haziel, and Elijah will put to death all, any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 Israel, and all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. So Elijah went from there and found Elijah, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elijah then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elijah left him. Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and plowed them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his, became his servant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Morning. Oh, no. How are we good? Are we all right? Are we doing well? Yeah. Super. Um, just a recap. You may be wondering what on earth is going on. I've just opened the Bible. We're in Elijah chapter 19 and Jehu and Saul and Oxen's been burnt. Maybe, maybe thinking, what on earth is going on? So let me just, a brief recap for those of us who have went around for the last few weeks. Um, I think it was two weeks ago, Tom preached on Elijah uh, fleeing to Horeb. But before that, what happened was, you see, uh, Elijah is a prophet in Israel. Ahab is married to Jezebel, that's the king of Israel. He's married to Jezebel. And Jezebel is this person is super manipulative and, and, and downright evil. Um, and so um, Elisha, this prophet, just wants to, Israel has to return to God. He wants them to repent of your sins. And so he 
challenges the prophets of Baal, the false gods. He, prophet, he challenges the prophets and he says, I challenge you to a showdown. Let's meet on this mountain, Mount Carmel. I challenge you, 450 of you, against me, one. Let, let's go to this mountain. Let's have a showdown. Let's see whose God is going to answer. And so this massive showdown happens. Elijah's there. The prophets are there. And, and the showdown is kicking off. And he's waiting. The prophets of Baal are, are screaming. They're calling. They're shouting. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Um, and you can guess the rest. Elijah pulls up to God. And God shows up in full force. He burns the altar with fire. Uh, and the fire is so strong um, that it licks up as well the waters that's on, on the altar. And so God is showing up when Elijah calls on his name. Whereas the prophets of Baal, who have been calling for their God for the past, um, I think it says, afternoon, day, nothing is happening. And so the Israelites say, this is, this is our true God. And so they bow down and, and say, this is God, this is God Almighty. And then they, uh, Elijah decides, he says, that's the case. Then let's take all these false prophets, let's run them up and put them to the sword. So he takes care of those 450 prophets, they all die. Um, but then Jezebel gets wind of this. Jezebel, the one who's married to Ahab, she gets wind of this and she's not very happy. And so what happens is she sends uh, Elijah a message, if you will. She's essentially put his life at risk. She's put a hit on Elijah. She said, you are Elijah, you are the target, I'm going to put a hit on you. And I will do to you what you've done to my prophets. Bear in mind, Elijah was on Mount Carmel, this massive thing happened, really victorious, God showed up in full strength and power and display. And then he reads a message that comes from Jezebel, and suddenly he takes off his eyes of God, he looks at a message, and Elijah goes into a state of really deep depression. And two weeks ago, Tom talked about Elijah in his really deep state of depression where Elijah felt he just wanted to kill himself. He, he felt like, God, just take my life, I'm worthless. And so Elijah's in this place where he's super, super down. He, he, Tom said he's depressed. And we read as we go to chapter 19, he flees to Horeb. He runs away. But before he runs away, he gets fed. He's asleep under a bush. He meets the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord provides some food for him, some bread and some water. And he tells Elijah, um, eat. You're going to go on this really long journey. You're going to go on a journey of 40 days traveling to the desert, um, to, through the desert of Bathsheba. And you're going to go to Mount Horeb. Elijah has chat with the angel of the Lord. He gets fed bread he goes on his 40-day journey. He goes, essentially, if you think about it, 40 days is very significant. The Israelites wanted the desert for 40 years. Jesus himself, at the start of his earthly ministry, fasted for 40 days in the desert, 40 nights before he took up his mantle. So it's the significance of the, of the traveling of the 40 days and the significance that actually Elijah gets fed, he eats, and then he fasts for 40 days before he arrives Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb. And here in verse 9 is where we, the story arrives. He finally arrives there to this place, to Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, if you will. And there he sleeps. He's traveled 40 days. Elijah is probably exhausted. He is wiped down. He is depleted. He wants to just end it all, but he arrives in this place and he says, I need to sleep. I am done for. And it's in that moment of 
silence that something happens and this is where I will take over from the story. <clears throat> I've only got two, really, two simple points today, two points to share with us and hopefully they will relate to what Mike's been talking about this morning to uh, the, call to mission, uh, the call to mission this Easter as we look towards Easter and Lent and my two points hopefully will relate to that um, but they're just really two simple points. So my first point for us is this. Where is your place of quiet? Where is your place of isolation, your place of retreat, your place of, yeah, your place of quiet? Where is your place? Do you have a place of quiet? And you'll see what I'm talking about this in a minute. We read that Elijah sleeps after being completely exhausted and here he has a, an encounter, a visible encounter and a conversation with God. And it's in that place of rest that he hears the Lord. When we sleep, it's when we are our most restful, where we, we sleep and we go into rapid eye sleep and, we, and we're just completely at peace. No distractions, no disturbances. We are completely settled. We don't know what kind of state of sleep he was in, but I can assume that he was in the place of rest. He's arrived at the mountain of his forefathers where Moses had encountered the Lord. He's finally arrived there and he can breathe again. He can say, I've arrived. I'm not dead. I've arrived. I can finally breathe. I can rest once again. And he probably was hoping to hear from the Lord. Bear in mind, this was the mountain where Moses went and got the Ten Commandments. This is the same place where God displayed himself in power to Moses in a burning, in a, in a burning bush. So he's probably hoping that this is the place where I'm going to meet with God again. And so he's asleep. He's in a deep place of rest. And then in verse 7, he wakes up, he sees the angel of the Lord. Actually, no, verse, uh, well, verse 10, actually. After waking up, he sees the angel of the Lord, and the angel asks him a question. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? What, why are you here? The angel, Elijah says, I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have torn down your altar. They've put your prophets to death with the sword and I'm the only one and they're trying to kill me now Lord what do I do and the Lord tells him in verse 11 he says Elijah go, up, go and stand by the mountain just go at the front of the mountain just, just go there and the presence of the Lord for the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by he says just go, just go at the front of the door Elijah just, just go there for a second okay the Lord's about you're about to meet with God okay so I just probably thinking, great, this is it. God is going to show up in big power, big display. This is it. I'm, I'm, going, I'm about to receive what Moses received, a big display of power. But as we've read, the Lord comes in the wind. The wind breaks apart the mountain. But God is not speaking. The earthquake happens, the trembling, the shaking nothing happened God doesn't speak then there's a fire and God doesn't speak and at that point I'm wondering what Elijah must be thinking Mike this is one of where you're showing these big things but you're not speaking what's going on but it's after that he hears something um, does anybody here like watch uh, Britain's Got Talent or America's Got Talent something like that yeah I I, I, I watch some of those so um, I like magicians okay 
And sometimes it's really cringy when you watch magicians who come on stage and they've got these massive contraptions and they do all these things and magic. I'm like, no, that's rubbish. It's big. It's not very good. It's a bit bland. It's a bit, it's not very, not very nice. It's a bit, you've got two, all these big things and I'm not really impressed by it. You're not really impressing me with this big display of power. But it was one of my favorite musicians, uh, Shin Lim. Shin Lim from, uh, and he, um, from Boston. And he, he comes and he does magic with cars. He's a, he's a card magician. You have to watch this guy. And you were like, whoa. He's like, literally, like this in a small table and it's quiet. He doesn't speak. He just, he just whispers and he does magic with his fingers in the cars. And you think, what? And it's like, that is so much more potent than massive displays of, of, of what you call magic. The simpleness in front of you in the quietness, a small display, rather than the big extravagant display. This, this, this magician playing with cards in his hands, quietly talking to Tyra on the side, doing his thing. That is much more impactful than the big displays of magic that try to be all grand and, 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 and exciting. And this is what's happening here. Elijah is probably hoping for a massive display of God's showing, a massive display of God displaying who he is. But actually, it's not happening that way, is it? God is not in the breaking, he's not, uh, he's not in the earth, he's not in the wind, he's not in the fire. God is in the quietness of the moment. When everything's died down, when the wind is gone, when the fire's gone, when the earthquake has stopped and there's nothing, there's no noise, complete silence, that's where he hears God. The whisper, the gentle whisper of the Lord. That's where his ears are attuned to what God is saying. He's come to a place of rest. And God is saying, you don't need to see me in my full display of power and majesty and, and, and the earth and the wind. and the, You don't need that. What you need is my gentle whisper. And he hears the calling of God. He hears the small but yet subtle voice of God. And he hears it. And he says, yes, that's my God. And we read in verse 13 that he's led forward is that you go to the cave at the front of the cave and like Moses he has to cover his face because he's about to meet with God just like Moses had to cover his face because he couldn't see the glory of God because God is too holy Elijah the same thing has to wear his mantle and cover his face because he's about to encounter the living God it's a still small voice that speaks to Moses I mean to Elijah not Moses to Elijah and it's in those moments, I truly believe in those moments where we quieten ourselves that we tend to hear God better. How many of us have ever prayed? I've um, prayed like, Lord, I want you to show me your power. Show me, show me your power. Just display wonder and majesty. Lord, just, I want to see it. Just, just rain down hell rather than hailstorm, rather than lightning, thunder. Lord, just big display. Lord, let me see it. How many of us have ever prayed big things? We want to see you display, Lord. And, and it's great. God does show in display. He does show up. He does come. 
But there's also a reason why when Jesus was teaching to his, uh, his disciples about praying, there's a reason why he says, go to your room, close the door behind you, be silent, and pray to your Father in heaven and he will hear you. There's a reason why uh, Elijah went to, to, to the mountaintop. There was no distractions. Him and God himself. Nobody else around. Where is your mountaintop? Where is your Mount, um, Mount Horeb? Where is your place where you can shut off from the world and meet with God? My father-in-law, who was a vicar, he, um, he would, every Thursday, he would uh, take his car and he would drive away for about 20 minutes and he would go on this, he found a little secluded place, but he would drive about 20 minutes and he would go uh, by the River Thames and he would sit in his car and he would just watch the world go by, about two hours, just sit there and just pray and contemplation. But he was completely secluded, no phone, he had no phone. Uh, no laptop, n nothing technological, nothing about him. Just him and his Bible and the Lord. And that's what he spent every Thursday, two hours, him and the Lord. That was his mount, or that was his, his mountaintop. Where is yours? In the world that is so fast, in the world that is so technologically moving all the time, there's, there's this, there's TV, there's, there's phones, there's, there's, there's computers, they're all linked. Where is your time of intimacy where is your time when you can slow down and disconnect from the world and just spend time with God where's your Mount Sinai and I think that's one of the things I was thinking about for um, the season of 40 days and 40 nights is if we want to be in intimacy with God let's find our Mount Sinai where is our place to be where is our place to just be with the Lord. A complete disconnect from everything else around. Where do we do that? Where do we get that in feeling presence of the Lord in our lives? And you see, Elijah was fatigued. He was exhausted. But guess what? It's in that place of intimacy, of quiet and solitude, that he gets his new orders. It's in that place of solitude that God comes alongside Elijah and reaffirms him and refreshes him and sends him off on his mission again. Where is your Mount Sinai? My hope is that as you go through Lent and as you move towards Easter, that you are able to find a place where you can spend time with God in intimacy. Whether that means closing your bedroom door, fine. Whether that means you're going for a walk by the seafront, great. There are so many places around here where you could literally just find your own corner of the world, a little Mount Sinai, where you and God can just be together. In verse 15, the Lord speaks to Elijah. He gives him his orders, his marching orders, and says, Elijah, you are to go back the way you came. Anoint Zael, king of Aram, also anoint Jehu, uh, of the son of Nimshi, king of Israel, and you are to anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, from Abel. You are to anoint as, uh, uh, Elisha as your successor. And I was thinking about this, and this is my second point, is, again, I have a question to you. 
Who is your Elisha? Who is the one that you are passing your faith to? Who is the one that you are passing your, the baton to? Who is the one that you are the proverbial, you're giving the mantle to? Jesus calls us in uh, the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations, to go out to the world and to share the gospel and to make disciples of all people, to baptize them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are called to make disciples, to go and share the goodness of people. Who is your Elisha? Elijah goes and sees Elisha, he clothes him with his cloak. Elisha, by the way, is a very wealthy person, he's really wealthy. He has 12 yoke of oxen. That means he's got at least 12 lots of oxen going around in his field. He's a very wealthy person. And you see what we read? We read that Elisha, when he received the calling of God, when he hears God's calling upon his life, he destroys, not destroys, actually, he, he burns it all. He, he takes his, the, the yokes and his oxen and he has a farewell party. He says, I've received God's calling, I've seen it, and I'm going to follow Elijah. Who does, that, who, does, who does that sound like? If you go to New Testament, who does that sound like? Jesus, when he calls his disciples, what did they do? They left everything to follow him. Because they saw the word, the message, what Jesus was proclaiming was the good news that the world needs to hear. In a world that is so crazy, so messy, who, who are our Elijah's? In this season, as we go into Easter, this season of, of um, sharing of faith, who is our Elijah? We are called to be like Elijah. Uh, called to be like Elijah, not. We are called to be Elijah and find out Elisha's. We are called to anoint those who love Jesus. We are called to share the word of God with people. We are called to be disciples, witnesses. You see, Elijah was lonely in his talk with God. He says he's alone. And he, had, he was losing hope that people would not follow the Lord of Israel. What did God do? God gave him two, two things. He gave him Elijah, Elisha, one who became a friend, a close companion. So God gave him a friend. And the second, God gave him a successor. Someone who would bring about change in the lives of some of the Israelites. We don't know what tomorrow may bring, but we are each and every single one of us called to share the good news of Christ with people. That has to be at the core of who we are. We have to share the good news. We have to find the Elishas, anoint them, the next church leaders, and support them and grow them so that people will get to know Jesus. And people come to faith. In that place of complete quiet and standstill and surrounding, that we can hear God clearly. It's from that place of hearing God clearly that we can know our mission and what God is calling us to. Can I encourage you to find your Mount Sinai? When you do find a place of quiet, maybe ask God, Who is, a, who is the Elisha of my heart? Who are you calling me to share the good news with? Who are you calling me to bring to this place? Who are you calling me to, to walk alongside with?
Let's be a people focused on prayer, who love the Lord with all our hearts, every single fibre of our being, and desire to be in his presence continually. Let us be a people who keeps our eyes focused on the Lord at all times. Amen. So why don't we pray before I invite Sam and the team up. Father, we thank you that you are good to us. And when we are beat down and tired and alone and, and if we're in a place of uncertainty, Lord, you whisper to us, you are gentle and you carry us through. And I just pray for each and every single one of us, Lord, that whatever is going on in our lives, that you will carry us through, that we can hear your gentle whisper, your gentle voice, your gentle calling, that you will sustain us in our times of difficulties, in times of troubles, in times of sorrows. And I pray that we are able to find a place of intimacy, a place uh, where we can meet with you, Lord. And as we do so, would you learn our hearts, the Elijahs, the Elishas that we, uh, that we know, the Elishas that we can speak to, people that need to know about you, Jesus. Can you uh, confirm that calling in ourselves, that we can go and hear your call and move through that call and share the word of God with people around us so that they would come to faith in our youth in the fullness of time. Amen.